0: Welcome to Fun Palais Podcast, where we are unpacking opinions and changing destinations. I am your host, Shirley Altador, where each week we will chat about how to rise strong out of all types of obstacles that come with relationships. Through personal life experiences and discussions ranging from infidelity, trust, forgiveness, sex, heartbreak, self love, and so much more, I am passionate and obsessed to provide guidance to every woman to create a better life. Let's dive in, pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn with me your virtual girlfriend Welcome back to another episode of Fun Palais Podcast. Today, as we start story time, we have two special guests with us today. We have Miriam who is in the Netherlands and we have Ashley who is in Ohio. So Miriam is a devoted wife, inspiring author, author, my goodness, what a tongue twister, caregiver, advocate, motivational speaker and business entrepreneur. She is the author of Caregiver 2.0, From Burnout to Powerhouse and the founder and proud owner of Caregiver 2.0, a six-week online program that offers support, coaching, and life skills to caregivers all over the world followed by we have Ashley. Ashley is a graduate of Xavier University, where she studied finance and human resources, then went on to receiving her master's degree in human resources management, which she spent 10 plus years of her professional career practicing. After Ashley's husband was diagnosed with a rare cancer in stage four, then beat that cancer with a 35% chance of survival. Ashley came to know her purpose in life. Ladies, how are you today?
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for having us.
0: (laughs) Thank you guys for being a guest. Very much appreciated. So we are going to start off with Miriam, just to add on to the introduction I provided.
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, what most people know about me is that uh, I own a web shop in exclusive clothing for full figured women and that I love traveling. I've traveled across the globe. I'm living life to the max, you know, today I'm a happy and a strong woman. But the confidence you see today, you have to know it wasn't always like this. There was a time when my husband was ill, he was suffering from kidney failure. And in those days, I was the caregiver, the cook, the cleaner, the driver, the groceries woman, everything. And you know what, Shirley, Miriam had her super shero cape on. So she thought she could do it all by herself. The result of thinking that is that I burned out. And it wasn't until a social worker in the hospital asked me the simple question, Miriam, how are you doing? And that's when I broke. I cried and sobbed for 15 minutes because of the heaviness that was on my shoulders. And you know what? This wasn't how I imagined my life to be. I was 29 years. At that age, you want to go to the club, hang out with friends, sipping on cocktails, you know? But Miriam burned out. So when I found out that day, I looked in the mirror and asked myself, Miriam, what are you going to do for you? What are you going to do for you? I knew the answer, but I couldn't get those words out of my mouth. But I had to do something. I needed to do something. And I started, I slowly started finding out how to revitalize my energy, how to own my well being, how to reduce stress as a caregiver, how to find peace, how to live a balanced life while taking care of a loved one. And I succeeded. I succeeded. And today I have the privilege and pleasure to share my knowledge and to guide caregivers who want to learn how to own their well-being while taking care of their loved ones.
0: Wonderful. And we are going to jump into more of that. We're going to pass the mic on to Ashley. Ashley, if you want to add more on to your introduction.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Um, so I am a wife caregiver to my husband author, entrepreneur, just all of the things. Uh, <laughs> so my my journey with caregiving started about four years ago, uh, right after I became engaged to my husband now. Um, within two and a half months of, after our engagement, he was diagnosed with a rare cancer in stage four. So like Marion mentioned, just at age... I was uh, 31, Um, I'm trying to plan our engagement party and have fun, go out to the club and dance the night away, but instead I'm having to plan how to get him to and from his treatments uh, because his hospital was an hour and a half one way. Uh, So our life really took, uh, it really derailed, Um, you know, we weren't ready for Uh, What was the we didn't know what was to come either. So just getting him through all the treatments and Pushing what I wanted to the side to make sure that he uh, had the best care was battling the cancer and uh, Just less and less of me became important Like a lot of women like a lot of caregivers do you push yourself to the side you you push yourself so far to the edge of the plate that when you fall off that plate it's like you're free falling and you are trying to grab onto something and catching yourself and that's what burnout felt like for me Mm -hmm. um you know so just trying to come out of that burnout it was a slow process um it was not overnight but just gathering different tips and techniques and um just trying to crawl out of that, uh realizing that I am important too. I I have to think of me so that I can continue to care for my fiance. Um so during all this time that uh he's getting treatment, I am the sole provider because he's he just cannot work. He's in treatment for eight to ten hours a day and I'm cooking, I'm cleaning I'm doing all of the things, plus still planning our wedding because that was his motivation to get the treatment. So I'm also our wedding planner. <laughs> and getting through all of that, um, which led me to my uh, purpose-driven business now, uh, which is timeless dream events and helping others that uh, may find themselves In our situation, which is, uh, you know, terminally, chronically ill, trying to plan any type of event, wedding, birthday, celebration of life, whatever it may be, uh, just helping those that were like me. And my husband, thankfully, we were able to get married and he did beat his cancer, Um, so all of The last uh, four to ten years of my life, I wrapped up into a book called Lost, Travel, Found. And just, I put it out there. I put my life out there. I put my story out there to help others that may find themselves in my same plight. Um, Being young, becoming a caregiver to someone that I wasn't even married to yet. Um, To grieving a life that I thought we were going to have because our life completely changed once that big nasty C word came into our life. So just offering hope, light and love into the, the world as much as I can.
0: Phenomenal. I mean, we're going to dive deep into Miriam and Ashley's story. But one of the first of all, Miriam, thank you for inviting Ashley to come on so the three of us mm-hmm. can chat together. But what really attracted me to interview both of you ladies is when Miriam said, I am a caregiver to my husband. And no disrespect when I say this immediately that came to my mind is, oh, my that means like they're literally taking care of their significant other. And I immediately try to mentally put myself in your places, not really even knowing, of just assuming like most of humans do. I have no idea what the extent of the caregiving involved. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I had to take care of my man, change his diaper or do all this? How would that be for me? I said I gotta talk to these ladies to see how this was like. That's what really because we don't think about that. Yeah. Every day we wake up, we, you know, brush our teeth, get dressed, move, yeah. you just think every day you're going to be a functioning human being. You don't think about any of the other possibilities outside of that.
1: Nope, so this is
0: going to be a rude <laughs> awakening for our listeners to realize that your relationship can change drastically and you need to quickly adapt.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: Yeah. So absolutely. Miriam, You're going to start off with your story. And if I want you to take us back to before you met this man, before 29, how long you was dating, what attracted you to him?
1: How (laughs) did you find out he got sick? (laughs) It's, you know, like I mentioned before, Shirley, I, first of all, I'm grateful for all the lessons I've learned Mm-hmm. I'm standing on my lessons now, and I want to support fellow caregivers. I want to catch them before they fall. I don't want them to go to burnout city because it's it's a nasty place, mm-hmm. right? And taking care of a loved one—in my case, my husband and also my brother—but I want to—I'm going to share a part of that later. My days were like waking up at five thirty in the morning because I started at at uh, seven thirty at the office. I worked till three o'clock. I went home with public t- uh, transport, took the car, went to the hospital because my husband was oftentimes he was in the hospital. It was hospital in hospital out. Went to the hospital, stayed there until 9 or 9.30 in the evening, came back home. It was a 15-minute drive. Did some household, you know, checked the administration, everything. Went to bed at maybe 12.30 in the morning. And the next day I woke up at 5.30 again. And I kept doing this for months. That was my daily routine. As a caregiver, so when he was home, I made sure that he had his medication, food, the groceries were done, housekeeping, um, driving back and forth to the hospital for his appointments, and more. That's what care my caregivers' life looked like, and. You know, I simply didn't take care of myself. So all the stress added up. It added up, it added up. It accelerated until one day it was like, boom! Mm -hmm. Burnout knocked on my door. We keep going. I kept going, I kept going. Every day, every week, every month. Because you want to be there for your loved one. You want to support your loved one. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't resting enough. I wasn't asking for help. And well, when help was offered, I didn't accept it. Because I was afraid to be judged. I had my pride. And I didn't want others to think that I couldn't take care of my boyfriend back then. Because we weren't married yet. Mm -hmm. so caregiving is different for everyone my journey is not Ashley's journey, it's not another caregiver's journey but the struggles are the same the stress, anxiety exhaustion, sleep deprivation the struggles are the same absolutely
0: so now you mentioned 29 you found out, is that the age you found out, his liver? His it, kidney. Was, you said, yeah. Kidney failure. Yeah, we
1: were dating for almost a year. Okay. And I went uh, with him to a recurring doctor's appointment. And okay. the doctor didn't tell him before that he was suffering from kidney failure. So he looked at his file and told him, Martin, his name is Martin, your kidneys function for only 17%. 17. and what, And I was like, What does that mean, kidney failure, 17%? So I became a caregiver within a blink of an eye. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what it meant, what to expect. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what to do.
0: Was Martin working at the time?
1: He was working full-time. And okay. at a certain point, he started with dialysis, peritoneal dialysis. That's when they connect the tube to the belly. Okay. And you can do okay. the dialysis yourself. And then um, he was able to do it at the office himself. But what we didn't know is that there was a bacterium in the tube. So he had a lot of peritonitis.
0: So wait, that's I an need inflammation. To take... So what is do-it-yourself? Is there some type of machine that you
1: carry with you? No. When the tube is connected to your belly, you have those bags of fluids. So, mm-hmm. first, he made uh, he had to empty the, the fluid that's in his belly with mm-hmm. all the uh, uh, like urine, you can say. Okay. So, okay. empty it and then a new bag to make sure that it uh, is the word contracts all the um, uh. Uh, stuff that needs to get out of your let me say it like that stuff that needs to get out of your body system like you we urine right yes but he didn't do that anymore so Got that's it. the way how to get it out of your system and make uh, um, a new bag a bag of fluid get into your system okay so and, and that's was- why why he could do it himself so he had to carry those bags to the office
0: gotcha. Okay. And I guess he just, I'm assuming went into the bathroom or did he have his own office space that he could just close the door?
1: He went to the bathroom.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's what that means. And how
1: long did he do
0: that for?
1: Uh, I think 18 months or so, maybe two years. But since he had so many episodes of peritonitis, the doctor told him, if you keep getting peritonitis you can't be on the transplant list. You have to switch to hemodialysis. And that meant three times a week to the hospital Mm -hmm. for four hours each on the machine.
0: I heard of that one. I heard of that one. So, yeah. Okay. So he did it himself for about 18 months to two years. And then he started hemodialysis.
1: Yes. Yes. Gotcha. And, And that's when he was, placed on the transplant list so when he was doing hemodialysis he still worked and uh, when he needed to go to the hospital for treatment he worked half days and he drove himself but one time after dialysis Mm -hmm. his shunt opened again that's the place where they connect the needle Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. he was in the hallway of the hospital when he felt some drops on his hand and saw all the blood gushing out of his hand. And that's when we decided I am going to drive you back and forth to the hospital because I was afraid that it might happen while he was driving.
0: Yeah, in the car. In the car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the good thing is, it seems like his job was able to accommodate this change. Was he able to work from home because you said half a days?
1: No. He wasn't able to work from home he worked 35 minutes 35 minutes from home
0: okay so on the days he had dialysis he worked half a days but on the other days that he did not have dialysis he worked full days
1: he worked full days yeah gotcha
0: now how was this for you when you came home what did the care look like then when you came home from work and what you had to do for your husband
1: when I came home, I uh, prepared dinner, make mm-hmm. sure the whole uh, uh, that the house was clean because mm-hmm. you're so afraid that he might get infections uh, mm-hmm. quickly. Um, he was often tired, very tired, yeah. after dialysis. And so I did pretty much everything. And Martin suffers from neuropathy. He can walk with a pin in his foot without feeling anything, and that's the cause of diabetes.
0: Neuro, what did you call it?
1: Neuropathy. What the okay. um, the what's the word in English? The nerves in okay. his foot are damaged because of the diabetes, and that's neuropathy. He doesn't feel the thing. He broke his ankle. And he walked with a broken ankle for a week.
0: (laughs) How did you find out?
1: It was still swollen and blue. Uh, It turned blue. Oh, my. So it was broken. And he had a cast for six to eight weeks. So when he got out of the cast, one month later, he broke the other side of the ankle. And then he needed surgery. That surgery didn't go as planned. So his ankle grew crooked. And he needed orthopedic shoes after that. Martin had many surgeries. We lost count because of diabetes. His eyes, he had, I think he was lasered more than 30 times. He had eye surgeries. He had groin rupture. We lost count.
0: Wait, you said groin rupture, G-R-O-I-N? Yeah. His groin ruptured? That, that sounds painful, Mir. It
1: is painful. It is. Martin went through so many things. Um, He has been in a lot of pain. Surely it's, it's, you know, today I can talk about it.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I feel like I have to talk about it because Mm -hmm. this is the reality. Mm -hmm. This happens every single day. Mm -hmm. a lot of caregivers we we go through a lot Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and i'm i'm grateful that i can share my story today
0: how old is martin when you met martin how old was he
1: martin was 38
0: oh so martin is 10 years older than you almost 11 yeah yeah and you know that's young i'm 38 martin was young to be yeah. going through all this stuff because he found out at 38 he had to do
1: dialysis. And
0: right, yeah, dialysis
1: started at 40 41. Because that's still young, that's very young. He was he had a kidney pancreas transplant surgery when he was 40, almost 44.
0: Yeah. That's a lot groin rupture and everything else his nerves are damaged from the diabetes. That is very young. And it just it's rude awakening because I'm 38. Yeah. So Martin was my age when all this stuff started to happen to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so now I'm going to touch on some topics if they are sensitive. Let me know. Is this one of the do you have children Miriam?
1: No, we don't No. No.
0: And is this the reason?
1: Mm, Well, we wanted to have children.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: When we started dating, we wanted to have children. When Martin had his kidney transplant surgery,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: the first thing I noticed after surgery Mm -hmm. was his color. He had a healthy color after years of dialysis. He He always had a gray color. Skin color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, Oh, yeah. Time for the baby. Time for the baby. <laughs> and Martin and I had a conversation when he was at home. And I asked him, Do you want to have kids? Now that we can finally enjoy life. Mm-hmm. He says, He said, Miriam, to be honest, I've been through so much no. But what about you? Do you want to have kids? And I said, I always wanted to have. I adore kids. Mm. But I think I'm better off with my cousins, my nephews, my nieces, to have them the whole day with me. And in the evening, I call their parents and say, come get your kids. (laughs) No, I don't want to have kids of my own, honey.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And, you know, we decided not to have kids because it's a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to give up our freedom because that's what it felt like after surgery, after things were going, after he was doing better. We didn't want to give up that freedom Mm -hmm. since we love traveling. We said, okay, let's continue what we started. Let's travel again. Even though he was on dialysis, we tried to see what's possible. We didn't look at what's not possible. Mm -hmm. So we traveled a few times while he was on dialysis, Mm -hmm. both hemo and peritoneal dialysis. Okay. But we decided not to have kids of our own. Okay. All right. I mean, that's,
0: that's courageous because I feel like women, a large portion of women, there are women out there that from the time they're little, they know they don't want children and their mind never changes and that's okay. But for you to go from wanting to not wanting based on what was going on in your life, that's huge.
3: Yeah,
0: that's a huge life decision to make. And it seems like even though Martin was going through what he was going through, he was still being considerate of Miriam. Yeah. What do you want, Miriam? Because if I'm assuming if you had said, Martin, I do want to have at least one child, he would have granted your wish.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. He would have done it. Absolutely. And you know what, a year later, he asked me again,
0: just to double check, huh?
1: Double checking are you sure you don't wanna I said I'm sure okay I'm sure well that's and I'm the only one in the family all my brothers and sisters have kids I'm the only one who doesn't Um. have but I'm spoiling their my brothers and sisters kids I'm spoiling them that's good you have
0: time for them that's good you're the one auntie that's available sugar auntie So now, did you meet Martin in the Netherlands? Are you both there and have been there, never moved outside? I was born in
1: South America, Suriname. Oh, okay. And I was 20 20 years when I came to the Netherlands. So I've been living in the Netherlands now for 30 years. And Martin, I met Martin in 1998. We were working Mm -hmm. at the same uh, tax lawyer's office. Mm Mm-hmm cliche, I was the secretary. <laughs> and uh, That's how we met uh, in 1998. So um, our anniversary is this month.
0: Oh, September. congratulations. <laughs>
1: 16 year oh, 16 years of marriage, but we've been together for 23 years then.
0: Nice. Awesome. 23 yeah. blessed years. Yeah. 23 hard years.
1: Hard years. blessed,
0: but hard. But you guys push through it though. Yeah. Now, how did your sex life change from all this? When you are on dialysis, okay, so I knew dialysis, you are not peeing naturally how you're supposed to. You need assistance. Yeah. yeah. So is there a erectile dysfunction for the man?
1: Um, sometimes, not all of the times, sometimes. Okay. But okay. um, Martin, sometimes he still peed. He had to learn how to oh. pee again after the transplant surgery.
0: How do you learn how to pee again? Well, is there certain- well
1: yeah, what they did is they, um, how do you call it? Um, how do you call it? It's not, it looks like a scissor. They put it on the... Um, Oh gosh, how am I going to explain this? I it was something like should... a balloon outside. And then he had to learn his bladder had to learn how to fill up again. So they squeezed it somewhere so so the bladder could get full. And he couldn't hold it anymore. He he needed tri- uh, training that this is the feeling I need to pee. The feeling we have when we need to pee, yes. like, okay, I need to pee. He yes. had to get trained again. That feeling. Absolutely he had to learn it again. Amazing.
0: You know, I don't think about this at all whatsoever. No no and one. it's amazing how... So. 38 Martin was using the restroom on his own all the years that he was going through dialysis. You're telling me your brain forgets
1: this Miriam is this what it's, I'm understanding? Well, yeah, you it seems like, it, <laughs> you know, Martin Martin piece uh, maybe twice a day. Because it okay. seems like his bladder is very large. Okay. A friend of ours asked him once we were in Florida and if our friend asked him, don't you need to pee? No, I'm fine. After six beers, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and okay. he asked him, man, are you a camel? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he can consume a lot before yeah. he has to go. Now this balloon won't rupture if Martin <gasps> no, gets the, too full.
1: No, it's not a balloon in his system. It's not a balloon oh. in Martin. It was outside. Oh. To make sure that, I don't know what exactly they did, surely, but um, he had to learn, he had to understand, to feel that he needed to pee. Interesting. Very interesting, because sometimes he couldn't hold it anymore. And he said, I need to pee. They said, two more minutes, because you have to get trained. Two more minutes. And that's how he learned, oh, yeah, I need to pee. I feel like I need to pee.
0: Interesting. So how is Martin now? Because how many years has it been since the
1: surgery? Uh, 2003 in November this year, it will be 18 years ago. 18 years already. And he's doing well.
0: Good, good. He
1: had a pancreas and a kidney, two organs, because he he suffered from, uh, he was a diabetic. Uh So the pancreas is for the diabetic Mm -hmm. part and the kidney so he doesn't need insulin anymore good since his transplant Um, we were used to have food with us everything you know drink and uh, water and food with us we don't have to do it anymore he can eat whenever he wants he can drink all he wants because if you are uh suffering from from kidney failure, you can drink you're allowed to drink a certain amount of fluid uh, water coffee tea every day you're you not can't allowed drink alcohol you can, but it's not wise when oh, you're okay. uh, suffering from kidney failure, but he was allowed to drink for instance one and a half liter per day, so we had to count how many. Bottles of water or syrup or whatever he took every day because um, um, it needs to get out of the system. And since he wasn't peeing, mm-hmm. it would stay in his body, especially when he did hemodialysis.
3: Gotcha. You could,
1: Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and on mm-hmm. Tuesday and Thursdays in the evening, you could see that there was too much fluid in his system. Swollen feet, swollen fingers, swollen face. He became gray, yellow.
0: And this is from not releasing toxins like we naturally do yeah. in our bodies. So yeah. Martin was filling up, filling up, filling up mm-hmm. because he's not naturally able to yeah. release these. Yeah interesting okay and you know these are things we don't appreciate in life just getting up going to the bathroom and taking a piss is what (laughs) you need to start appreciating because i mean you don't think about this and this is what is awful not saying you need to wake up every day oh my gosh oh my gosh i might be on dialysis but we need to just be more mindful in life yes i don't think about this at all miriam
1: no but you know i think it's course you don't think about it. No. Because you are not there. You know, last week Ashley called me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to clean Martin's ulcer under his foot. Oh. Neuropathy, he doesn't feel a thing. And what we didn't know is that there was an ulcer under his foot. At a certain point the ulcer was almost an inch deep. the way up to his bone. So I went into the treatment room with him in the hospital, and I saw what the nurse did. I saw what came out of it. And Martin was talking, the chit chat, (laughs) talking sweet talk with the nurse because he doesn't feel a thing. This was all done without anesthesia, okay? She was cleaning, and at a certain point, she was in the wound and told me, "Oh, see, how deep it is. You need to. I think um, you need to clean it at home. Are you able to clean?" I said, "Well, yeah. I was thinking the same thing, and I, I need you to tell me what to do, and provide me with all the medical equipment." okay, the the syringes, the uh, tweezers, everything. And surely I cleaned the wound every single day. I had to clean it three times a day. And I did it because it would save me driving back and forth to the hospital every day. yeah i needed I needed to take care of myself as well, you know, and I cleaned Martin's wound every single day, because it was needed, and that's also something caregivers do. They clean their loved ones' wounds.
0: Do you like do a full body inspection of Martin? on a weekly basis, especially because of this nerve damage. And I'm sorry if this question sounds ignorant, but it seems like, you know, the bottom of his foot got bad because no one thinks like, let me check the bottom of my husband's foot. Yeah. But when you realize this is how bad it was getting, do you have like a checklist of yeah. things? You'll check on Martin now yeah. just to make sure everything is a okay.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And he he isn't allowed to we- walk uh, uh, barefoot with barefoot. Um, so I check it. I check it every day, every single okay. day. And okay. it happened before that, after the, 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 the ulcer uh, was healed. It happened maybe two or three times again mm-hmm. because we weren't on top of it. But now gotcha. we are on top of it. He is visiting a medical pedicure. Every Once every two weeks, and between those uh, days, I check it. But I check his whole body. Whenever I see something um, that looks uh, rare or not right, I tell him, okay, go see the doctor. Go see the doctor, and I did the same with his eyes. When they were doing the eye surgery, I could see it on the screen, what they were doing. What did he have to have eye surgery for? He did a lens, uh, how do you call it, when they changed the lens.
0: Not LASIK surgery, right?
1: Is that LASIK surgery? Is that what you LASIK call it? LASIK surgery. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, I could watch it.
0: Oh, okay. When they yeah. were, like, I wear glasses, so if I didn't want to wear glasses anymore, they, then they would, like, do something. But it's called LASIK surgery, not the same. Is that
1: is is that it, Ashley?
0: Oh. No. Oh, Ashley, what is it?
2: Cataract surgery
0: cataract surgery. Ah. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on. We have nerve damage. We have dialysis, cataract surgery. We have a groin rupture. How did this man's groin rupture? Does he have nerves in his groin?
1: It happened when he was on peritoneal dialysis. Uh, the fluid, it, when it was too much in his belly, it uh-huh. was heavy. Um, somehow fluid got over there. Oh, and they, I think they removed the fluid and then closed that part in his, okay. how do you call that part there over there? The,
0: the, it, well, the groin, we're talking about the scrotum sac, right?
1: Yeah, no, it was. Let me show you. Can you see it here? This part. Is is the groin yes. for a gentleman, yes. right? Yeah. Oh, just the groin area. Okay,
0: groin so area. not the scrotum sac. No, the, no, no. Just no sorry, the groin sorry. area. Yeah. Okay, no, I misunderstood because that's what I assumed when you said groin. I was like, that's when you were like ruptured. It, I was like, they, oh my gosh.
1: They call it rupture. <laughs> they call they call it groin rupture because there is um there is a part which is um that is damaged. There's a okay. hole in there. So that that's what they call a, a, a rupture. It's open. Okay.
0: okay, gotcha. Now, what does self care look like for Miriam in the midst of all this? How did you find your sanity? I mean, I know there are days that you probably cried oh. silently. You probably went through every emotion that there posi- possibly is to go through. What did self-care look like for you? Was it going outside for a walk, just being alone for literally 10 minutes? What did you do to find peace?
1: So, first of all, I had to find out how to do self-care and why. Mm. I had to change my mindset first. And that happened after my burnout. I needed to learn to love myself first. And why do I say this? Because when you love yourself, you, you are more willing to do things that make you feel good. Something you enjoy. That's what self-care is, right? So I started with journaling writing things down getting them out of my head three to five minutes i tried meditation and i found out that it really calmed me five to ten minutes a day in the beginning i said oh i'm gonna do a meditation of 13 minutes it didn't work i started with five to ten minutes i started with qigong which is a tiny chinese technique to Mm -hmm. calm yourself.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I did Reiki. Because I, with Reiki, I could also help Martin, transfer positive energy to Martin, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: help myself as well. I found out that dancing to my favorite music helped me, brought me joy. Mm -hmm. And this is how I started slowly with self-care. Those five minutes became 10 minutes, 10 minutes became 15 minutes because I wanted more, because I felt good. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I kept doing it and I still do it every single day. In the morning, I journal, I meditate because I feel much easier when I start a day off like that. And in the evening, before I go to bed, I meditate. So that's what self-care is for me. I love to dance, listen to music. Self-care is doing something I enjoy. Exactly. People think self-care is going to the spa every day. As much as I like that, I can't do that. But I can enjoy doing my nails. I can enjoy putting on some makeup. Mm -hmm. I can enjoy looking for a nice dress. What am I going to wear on our anniversary day? That's, you know, it can be something simple, something small, but it can be something big as well. A spa day with a friend or a a weekend getaway. So that's self-care for me.
0: This is amazing, Miriam. I mean, and I like how you were honest about the fact that you said I had to figure out what self care meant to me. I mean, of course, it's not the same exact words you said. But a lot of times we don't know. And self care is different from everybody. And you, you know, you started off small 510 to 15 minutes a day. And you also figured out ways when you did the Reiki to incorporate Martin in the self care. Yeah. Now what does Martin do? first self care after all this and how is his attitude towards life now? Because Mark, how old is Martin now? Martin is 61 now. Yeah, so Martin's older now, you know, which most people assume around this age is when all this stuff's supposed to start. Martin already has years of experience in how is Martin's attitude now? At his age, you guys? have been together for over 20 years. Yeah. How, how is the relationship now for him and for both of you?
1: Well, first of all, our li- relationship is even stronger. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> we have a great um, relationship, communication, respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very important to us. Martin enjoys driving his motorcycle Martin enjoys mm-hmm. listening to music Martin enjoys his how do you call it is it final records mm. is it the records
0: the vinyl records oh the that's final,
1: the final oh, records
0: I love her accent I'm sorry Miriam <laughs> I understand what you're saying but I love certain things she says you really got to tune in like when she says travel I love it <laughs> Okay. I thought she said final records. I was like, no. Oh, what's that vinyl? I know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> <Go> ahead, <Mario. laughs> oh my goodness. So that's what he enjoys. He, okay. he always says, um, I got a second chance.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: I got a second chance because if he didn't get that surgery within a year, mm-hmm. I would say I'm talking about my late husband. Mm. And it's hard when you hear that the doctor mm-hmm. says if you don't get a transplant surgery within a year I'm afraid that uh, it might be over. But anyways, it is not. And Martin is he's, he's so enjoying life. He's doing things he enjoys. Sometimes he uh, takes a walk for an hour. Sometimes he takes his bicycle Mm -hmm. and we have a forest nearby and then he goes into the forest and on his bicycle and enjoys the the simple things. He can enjoy a a bird singing, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see him enjoy life like this and because he enjoys, I enjoy And I found out as a caregiver that when I was taking care of myself, I was feeling much better and I transferred that energy. He picked up that energy, that positive energy. Yes. When I burned out, he was down as well and he needed to take care of himself because he was recovering from a major surgery. Mm -hmm. But his wife-to-be burned out.
3: Mm.
1: So that's so important to know that you transfer the energy. And if you transfer positive energy to your loved one, they will feel better. When there is laughter, there's happiness. And this doesn't mean that I am smiling and laughing the whole day. I do have days when I'm not feeling well. I do have days when I think, oh, how am I gonna do this? But I always try to find or to see the possibilities. What's possible for me in this moment? How can I flip this and find a possibility? And when I see the possibility, I grab an opportunity if there's an opportunity.
0: Wonderful. This is awesome, Miriam. When there is laughter, there is happiness. And you know, positive energy is like a magnet because you will attract others around you. And they you will eventually pull people into that force. And of course, just like negative energy, but positive energy is this just like they say love is very strong. Yeah. And you give out more love than you know, anger or anything else because love is very powerful. It is. And it's just amazing how Your 23-year relationship with this man didn't get weaker, weaker, weaker as he got sick, but it got stronger, stronger, and stronger. And like Miriam said, there are going to be tough days. There are going to be hard days. In the beginning, Miriam said she did not want help because as most women suffer, we always want to wear that super cape as though we don't need anything. I got this. I don't need you. Okay. I don't need you to take care of my man. You know, no matter who is extending that help, we don't want it because yeah. we just have this mindset that we could do it all until like Miriam said you go through a burnout stage. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it happens to the best of us even though we don't intentionally want it to happen, but we just have this mindset of we could do it all. But Absolutely. her ways of her self-care is meditation, reiki, dancing, music, journaling, and these are things she still does to this day. And you know, life has been a blessing for her and martin because it literally has gone from within a year of her meeting this man everything just started to go downhill you know and within you said 18 years ago he had his surgery and things have just been going up and up and up ever since so you know miriam is a prime example of everyone's story is different everyone's story is not the same you know And this is why every guest I thank them for coming on because Miriam took the negative situation, in her life turned it into a positive, you know, and people change. We're constantly evolving when her and Martin met 23 years ago, they were talking about having children, but they don't have children and they're both comfortable with that decision. This is a prime example. Sometimes life will hit you like a fucking ton of bricks and you just have to figure out how you're going to adjust literally so miriam we want to thank you for being a guest but as you guys know she's not leaving us i have to say this because we are going to transition into a part two and we are going to be hearing from our guest ashley now to talk about her story ashley who's been patiently waiting to come (laughs) on how are you
2: good thank you again for having us both (laughs)
0: So Ashley, let's hear about your story okay. and how you met your husband because you were 31 when you found out he was diagnosed. So take us back or start from that point, then yeah. take us back. So let's yeah. hear this.
2: Yeah, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I met my now husband off of Facebook <laughs> ah. Um he jumped in the DMs, as the young kids say. <laughs> um, he, he he friended me. Oh, gosh. We've probably... He tells the story so much better than I do, because I always get the timing wrong. But um, he we've been friends now for, oh, my gosh, uh, maybe 12 years now. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't give, I knew when we first met, we talked for a very long time on Facebook, mm-hmm. then phone, we exchanged phone numbers, then we met in person, and we were just really good friends. I knew he wanted more. I was just like, nah, dude, not not today, <laughs> and probably not ever. Um, but we were just really good friends. Um, he'll tell you that he chased me for four or five long years until he wore me down which yeah, he did wear me down, <laughs> and uh, we we started dating, and uh, you know then he proposed January first of two thousand seventeen, and March twenty eighth of two thousand seventeen is when we got uh, this surprise diagnosis of his, of this rare cancer, um, and what made it rare was the placement of it. Uh, It was in his nasal cavity. He was not a smoker, but unfortunately he was subjected to secondhand smoke. Um, So previous to this cancer diagnosis, growing up from an early age, he had had nasal issues that Mm -hmm. I didn't really know about um, Mm -hmm. because that's not like a sexy topic to talk about on your Mm -hmm. dates. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, for whatever reason, you know, no one really truly knows why cancer decides to rear its ugly head when it does, but all the non-cancerous polyps that were, um, that plagued him as a young child happened to turn into cancer 20 years later. Um, so, you know, just trying to figure out okay, now instead of us planning this engagement party, now we're having to shift gears and plan. A, a, w- Thankfully, I was working from home. I was mm-hmm. already remote work before remote work became sexy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for that. But still, I had to figure out when I could work Take him to his appointments. Um, usually I would sit there in the chair next to him while he was getting chemo um, and work from my laptop. Then I would have to run him to radiation or see his doctor. Um, he, I mean, he had several different team, uh, several different doctors on his team. He had a um, radiation doctor. He had a chemo doctor. He had a ear, nose and throat specialist or ENT. Um, he had a neuro, uh, a neurologist on his team. There was just so many different people on this team. It was overwhelming. Um, I mean, first of all, it, I, it hit us like a sack of bricks when he was diagnosed. And then there's so many questions that after you leave the office that you think of and you're like, oh crap, why didn't I ask that? Well, it's because of the overwhelming like all I heard in that moment was that I heard cancer and I heard stage four and the only times I knew cancer stage four was my grandmother who had passed away from cancer and had gotten stage four mm-hmm. so that's what I knew so I in my mind I'm like okay I just I'm engaged to someone that's gonna die like that was like my first like instinct, like that was just my first thought, you know, and he starts crying and he's not overly emotional. But when I heard him say, but I don't want to die, I kind of snapped out of my own thoughts in my head. I was like, did he hear me? Because he he said, I don't, but I don't want to die. And so then I was like, well, you're not, we're going to do this together. And I think that was one, I don't, he would probably tell you, but I think that was one of his biggest fears was that I was going to be like, deuces, I love you, but I gots to go. But, you know, it it wasn't like that for me um, because a lot of women ask me this and I don't know. I, I, I think it's more than love. Mm-hmm. And Miriam could probably feel what I'm trying to say here. I think it's more than love that kept us. It's just, it's just like I found my person and I didn't want to let him go no matter what. And we hadn't even did the vows. Mm -hmm. Like no one else was going to get my crazy, get my quirky, get me. Mm -hmm. So, damn it, you're going to survive because (laughs) I finally, you know, said yes to you. Dagon it. We're going to get married. So, um... It was just one of those things like, okay, we're going to work through this together, no matter what. And I didn't know what that meant at that time either. But um, just going to start, I mean, they got him in quick because of the aggressiveness of the tumor. So they got his treatment started. Um, we we got into this regimen of um, chemotherapy first because they wanted to shrink the tumor so that he could do this specialized radiation. Um, which thankfully there's maybe a dozen facilities at the time. There are only like a dozen facilities in the United States that has this specialized radiation. It's called proton proton radiation. Mm-hmm. And it specifically will shoot radiation at the tumor or at the cancer cells. Whereas normal radiation kind of just goes wherever and damages all the things. This will just specialize and only try to get the actual tumor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, And it was very um, good for him because of it being... The tumor was on in his nasal cavity, but it was reaching into his eye. So they're trying their hardest to save his eye. Um, and we got we got to have a break um, June of that year because he it was looking like he was taken to treatment. Well, mm-hmm. so we took his um, he does have a daughter. So we got to take her to Disney mm-hmm. like as a celebration. Like, yay, daddy! You know's doing better. He's taken to, you know, the, the treatment. I went away cause I just needed to breathe.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it was when I returned back from my trip. So it was November of 2017. It was like, and I was only gone for maybe nine days. And when I came back, I was like, what happened? <laughs> it looked like this- I, I physically could see a change again.
0: This was in November of 2017. Uh-huh. Okay. So go ahead. Just so, down.
2: Yeah. So then I call his chemo doctor and I'm like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I call and, and I say something's not right, they usually get him in right away. Um, so we went down the very next day. Um, they got scans and all this stuff and they said that it was coming back. It was growing back. So I was like, what, what is our option here? Cause he's done so much of this harsh chemotherapy. I mean, he, he lost weight. He, he was already bald to begin with, but he lost hair. The only hair he lost was what was on his eyebrows. (laughs) Um, uh, Because he had no hair on his head. He lost the eyebrows and uh, you know, foods that he used to like made him sick now. He only wanted to drink water or lemonade. He didn't have a taste for a lot of things. Like so I've just watched chemo and radiation run him ragged and I'm like if we have to do this again what other chemotherapy is out there, you know. Well they're like, "Well, we're not doing that. We're going straight to surgery. We're going to try to cut this sucker out." And so then I go in with a list of, like, 20 questions, like, legit 20 questions because of the placement of the tumor, I want to know what was the worst case scenario. Yeah. And I'm not a pessimist by any means, but I like to know what to be possibly prepared for. Yeah. So that I'm not shocked. I don't want to be shocked when Mm -hmm. it comes to his health. So, um, you know the worst case scenario obviously is death but beyond that would be having to literally cut more than the tumor so what that meant is they told me he could possibly lose his eye it could possibly have gotten into the brain it um, we might have to take um, part of his nose the whole nose um, so I'm like sitting there like, OK, then if you have to do that stuff, you're not t- you're not going to drop him off at my doorstep. Right. Like he's going to stay here so you can take care of him and monitor him. Like there's just all these questions I had um, and they answered them. Um, so we talked uh, my uh, fiance because we still hadn't gotten married, even though I was still planning our wedding. Oh, and 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 mind you, when I'm finding out about our the the surgery he has to do, I'm also picking out my wedding dress this within a week of each other.
0: Oh, girl, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh,
2: yeah. And the the lady, bless her heart, that helped me pick out my dress at the bridal uh, uh store, I just broke down crying because my dad had passed away. So he, so he wasn't going to be at my wedding, to walk me down to tell me how beautiful I was, and I didn't know if I was actually going to get to walk down the aisle, to the man of my dreams. So I'm crying in all these beautiful dresses, and I'm just bawling, because I'm like all the things are happening, and she just, she just held my hand, and my mom held my other hand. And, you know, they just told me it's going to be all right, but just try to see the beauty and what's happening now. And, um, but anyways, back to the, (laughs) back to the surgery. (laughs) Um, you know, so they, they reassured me they were going to try their best to not cut any more than what they had to. And Troy and I talked, okay, if you come out looking different what's that going to look like for us for you i know i mentioned us a lot but babe this is you it's 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 your body i'm just here to make sure you stay on this side of the earth as much as we possibly can and he said i want to live because i want to see you walk down the aisle Aww. you got this you
1: got this as you
2: It's so beautiful. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: It is. I'm a little emotional
2: okay. cuz we we had a recent scare, a very recent and scare. So, actually, I'm me. not I'm not going
0: <laughs> to cut this part out. I'm just telling you now cuz this is the realness of the podcast. <laughs> this this so, okay. is well,
2: no, this is fine cuz this is okay. real as as I can be. Um, so I said, "Okay," My mom and I prayed for him before he got wheeled back. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he went to a surgery. And when he came out, the doctor, you know, came out to tell me. And they had to do, you know, one of the worst case scenarios. So because when they opened him up and they saw how much the tumor had did damage They had to take the left side of his nostril they had to take his left eye and they had to remove some of his skull Mm. and he said but we got we got what we could see physically so now when he recovers he's going to have to do chemotherapy and radiation again but this is the first step i said okay so because of the full extent of what they had to do his recovery was even in a special part of ICU so he had to go to the burn unit they treated him like he had third fourth degree burns whatever it is um so they treated him with the utmost care but it was nothing like going back to see him for the first time and I almost fainted because all I saw was all these tubes all this blood and I noticed his beautiful blue eye was gone (sighs) Ashley, I'm
0: sorry. I have to ask you this. How, if you could take yourself back to that day after your husband had surgery, how they wheeled him in is not how he came out. Mm -hmm. And you know, excuse me, as human beings, we look at the exterior of things. Mm hmm what do you remember at that moment if if you need a moment to think about it at that moment what went through your head
2: i was scared i was upset but i also knew at the same time that i was glad he was alive
0: see and love conquered all yeah yeah Go ahead. I just wanted to, because that's, uh, that's like hard for anyone in a relationship. You, your husband is wheeled in looking a certain way. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, when you go back to see him in recovery, this is not the man. Right. That was taken back.
2: Exactly. And, you know, even it's been, it'll be four years this December Mm -hmm. since that first major surgery. And we, uh, we still talk about it. Like, Mm we still work through it together.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, he's still building his confidence because mm-hmm. that's the first thing you see mm-hmm. when you're looking at someone, you see their eyes. Mm-hmm. And he's he's still working through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I reassure him, like, I'm not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about me. You know, it's I know he, get, uh, he feels uncomfortable because sometimes he gets comments. Um, so he, sometimes he just has to take a breath, mm-hmm. um, and then keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And if I'm there with him, if he gets a comment, he's more concerned if I'm going to snap at the <laughs> at the person. <laughs> I need to protect my wife. Yeah. So she doesn't. Right, growl right. At anybody. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, it's, it's something that we're still continually working through. Um, and the doctors are too, like he, you know, he's, as long as he keeps getting, um, good reports, he eventually can have, a, a more of a, va- a vanity plastic surgery type surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just not there yet, even four years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, it it is it is very difficult, and I think all the emotions that hit me at once is what caused me to faint, like almost faint. My mom had to catch me. Thankfully, she was right behind me, and she took me out to the uh, to the hallway. And his mom is like bawling because mm-hmm. um, she went ahead and went in because I just I needed a moment because I didn't need him to see me like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He was asking for me. I was the first one he was asking for when he came when he came to so I didn't need him to see my tears mm-hmm. I needed him to see me okay mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of moments like even what I wrote in my book when he read my book, he was like, "You didn't tell me half." these emotions that you experienced i said that's because you didn't need that from me Mm -hmm. you needed the strong super shero me i cried often in the shower he was like is that why you take long showers yes that's why sometimes i take long showers because i'm crying Mm -hmm. even still to this day (laughs) because there's things that happen even though Um, after all the, the surgeries, the chemotherapy, radiation, I mean, we even got to the point where we were able to get married, Mm -hmm. which was a whole celebration in itself, just that he was there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we returned from our honeymoon, we had devastating news waiting for us, um, that I was to call hospice because the tumor was coming back. Um, so then he had to have a whole nother surgery. And this time, thankfully it was not tumor, but it was so the right he's had so much radiation in his uh, head and neck region that there's scar tissue that, um, has come from the radiation that had cracked open his skull. Um, was starting to get into his brain. Um, so it was acting as tumor, but it was not tumor. It, the doctors can't even explain it well to me because uh, I ask and they don't even know why it happens. It's just something that happens from radiation, a lot of radiation. Um, he's actually never allowed to have any more radiation in his head and neck area. That's how much he's had. So um, he he's had to have two major surgeries. I can't even remember how many sessions of radiation and chemotherapy Um, once he had that second surgery he then got to have immunotherapy which is not quite chemotherapy um, Mm -hmm. but immunotherapy is using your own blood cells to try to fight any remnants left of cancer cells so that brought us to march of 2020 where he was finally declared and pronounced cancer free, which we were like, thank God, (laughs) because of everything we've been through, and then I came into this space probably within three to four weeks, where I was like, okay, I'm not having to run him down to the hospital every day, Monday through Friday, I'm not having to take him to, you know, see the doctors every week. What am I supposed to do now? Like, I literally found myself looking around, like, what is Ashley supposed to do? Because I wrapped my whole identity up into being his caregiver and making sure he was okay, that I had lost myself, which I know a lot of women do. Uh, So I just found myself lost until I reached out to... um, a woman who I had been in her <laughs> women empowerment purpose driven uh, Facebook group, and I reached out to her because she's a, a like a mindset business coach, and I was like, I need help. Like I know there's something I'm supposed to be doing on this earth other than waiting for him to get sick again. Like I don't want him to. Mm-hmm. There has to be something else out there for me and uh i started working with her and talking about my you know my likes my dislikes my passions um my pain points in my life which i didn't like talking about (laughs) um and out of out of my pain out of my pain points came my purpose so that's how timeless dream events was born so that i can help other people who might be in my, you know, find themselves in my same predicament that I was in
3: mm-hmm.
2: a couple years earlier, not knowing if they're going to be able to walk down the aisle to the person that they love or celebrating that person's life. Um, and so I'm, I'm here to help terminally chronically ill and their loved ones celebrate life and love in whatever way they need to. And Also, you know, started speaking out more about my caregiving journey. Mm -hmm. And that's how on Facebook. And that's how I met my sister from another mister, Miriam. And I'm telling you, ladies, if you know, whoever's listening, if you need to find a sister from another mister or or a husband, Facebook's (laughs) a good, good option there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) And then it's funny, too, because had I not met Miriam, had I not become more vocal about my caregiving journey, becoming an advocate for caregivers, I never would have met Miriam, who then introduced me to my writing coach. And now she's my friend too, to help me put eloquently and beautifully my my past like ten years of life into a memoir to help others that are on a grief and healing journey um, and a caregiving journey. Um, so that's how my book Lost Travel Found came out um, because I felt like um, I needed to take. A step further and dig a little deeper so that other people could connect and and read more in depth of my story because I would always put I would always post the rosy unicorn rainbow stuff on Facebook. People are hungry and they need to hear the nitty gritty details because they need to be able to relate and There are things in both of our books that we explain that so many caregivers have reached out to me saying, oh, I might not have had to do the same things that you've had to do for your husband, but I understand having to clean up after a loved one. I understand the headache of fighting insurance companies or the headache of how many doctors do we have to see in one day so it's necessary for us as family caregivers to continue sharing these stories so that we don't feel so isolated Mm -hmm. because in that isolation is burnout Mm -hmm. and even though my mom had taken care of her mother Mm -hmm. who had passed from complications from colon cancer I still felt a little bit isolated because she took care of a parent in later years. I was taking care of my soon-to-be spouse at a young age. So there was still even a disconnect there. And I just wanted to provide a space for others my age and beyond that I hear you and I see you.
0: Yeah. If you don't mind me asking what caused you to cry before
2: we had just recently had a scare like two weeks ago, I thought his tumor was coming back. So mm-hmm. just reliving, uh, the, the first time his first surgery, mm-hmm. it just, it brought back the emotions. Um, gotcha. but thankfully it was not tumor. Um, and his doc, oh my gosh, his doctors team is so amazing. So when we came in for his um, follow up because he had to have a minor surgery mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago, and when we came in for his follow up last week, it uh, hit <laughs> the nurse and the doctor are all like, "You did a good job. You're doing a great job." Because <laughs> like when I when I say I was scared, I said I we can't wait to. They wanted us to come like three days. I said, well, I'm taking him today. So, but you know, they they do a great job of praising. um, I can't speak for all the caregivers, but I know they do a good job of praising me and lifting me up um, because I do keep a close eye on my husband. If I see changes, I don't play around because I just remember, and this is trauma. Mm -hmm. This is literally trauma. I remember the tumor and how big it got, how aggressive it got. Um, and I just, ne- I wanna know if I see any slight change, we're, we're, going, we're driving an hour and a half to his hospital.
0: Mm-hmm. So a few questions I have for you. January 1st, he proposed March 28th, you found out he was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. When did he hit your DMs?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness probably like 2000 sheesh sheesh. She, 2006
0: 2007 like oh some, so you was literally dodging this man yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> like don't bother me if i'm ignoring you don't you just get it dude <laughs> yeah what yep, did and your, he'll tell you what did your husband finally so how long were you guys dating before the proposal i'm trying to add this math up
2: <laughs> we um I think we did for like three four years something like that oh wow um, girl you was literally like ignoring him and he was persistent <laughs> well yeah so it he um he was like man it took me four years to get one date um uh, <laughs> but yeah we we dated f- and there was there was about a year i won't say lost but there was about a year lost because In the midst of... Before we started dating, I lost my dad. Got it. it. So I'm grieving a whole man that left a whole heart, a hole in my heart. And I was like, I need to go take care of this hole Mm -hmm. in my heart or start to Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um, before I can even function. Gotcha. So I... Left for about nine months to go travel abroad in the midst of us dating. Oh. But we never broke up. Gotcha. I just wasn't physically in the United States with him. And he was so supportive because he was like, if you if you're not right, we, we're not going to be. Um, I left January 1st or 2nd of 2008 16?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: he said he went to go buy my engagement ring February of 2016 because he just knew in his heart when I came home I was gonna be his oh wow that is that and is he magical. was that he was that like secure yeah. Um, I was like, what if I would've came home and said, I met Bobo over in- Bobo. <laughs> Bobo and over- And that's true. You know, in Asia somewhere, you know, I don't this know.
0: This man was manifesting to the next level, Ashley, he, because he, he was like, I'm good. I he, know you're going to yeah, be mine. He Do really you, did.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I, and sure enough, you know, when I came home, we stepped back into things like nothing had changed. It's just that I wasn't physically there, you know? Gotcha. Wonderful technology is wonderful though. So,
0: (laughs) okay, so now, okay. So now my next question is 2017 was a rough year for you guys. Mm -hmm. Now, just so I know, again, this cancer is in his nose.
2: Yes. It was in his nasal cavity. So is Mm -hmm. it
0: noticeable on the exterior surface? Absolutely. It was, oh, it was yes. So, So, like, I'm thinking, I know the listeners can't see, but so I can understand, like,
2: in this area? Yes. So, actually, what happened is, um, and I'll try to explain this as as well as I can. I'm not a doctor by any means. I'm a pseudo-nurse by now, but I'm still not medically trained. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, What made us realize something wasn't right is he had a knot form on his forehead. Mm Mm-hmm. And he complained of, if I don't even know if there's a word for painful, beyond painful migraines, mm-hmm. but he said it felt like someone was stabbing him a lot <laughs> in his head. Um, and I get migraines, so I can only imagine beyond the pain of a migraine mm-hmm. he was dealing with. And he hid it from me for so long because he thought he had to be strong and he didn't want he to, he just didn't want to go to the hospital so when i when he told me and we started noticing this not i said we need to go get this checked out um the hospital system we have closest to us just they're not equipped they didn't even know if it was cancer or not they, they couldn't tell us anything so we went to the doctor he had gone to so many years ago that were um he, he had went to for the nose Polyps that he, the nasal polyps that he had had, so they did a biopsy of what they found in his nose, and it did come back cancerous this time. Um, so it had started in his nasal cavity, but it was like pushing up into this knot on his forehead. So when, once they did the biopsy, though a knot started to form on his nose. So I don't know if it's because they had a snip and it agitated Mm -hmm. the tumor into growing, then it grew on his nose, um, very large, like it almost blocked his eyesight, um, a little bit on his left side. Um, so yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. And this is when he went to go get radiation. It was all in this area. Yes. Okay, did they have to
2: cover his eyes with some type of goggles? So, and it looked like, I wish he would have kept it, but he, he wanted to throw it out as a sign of, I'm done with this. <laughs> mm. They actually had to make a mask for him um, so that the computers would know where to shoot the, the the laser for the radiation. And this mask looked like something Jason or Michael Myers would wear. <laughs> It was freaky, um, but it's so that they knew where to pinpoint because this was a specialized – it's called proton radiation. It was very specialized. There might be more facilities now, but there's only 12 in the United States at that time four years ago. Got it. And, uh, I mean, they shut down. When we went to go view the machine, the facility – they, uh, the, the doctor team actually told us that they had to shut, this machine is so huge. They had to shut down the highway for a whole day to get this from the airport where it flew in from Germany. Cause it's a German made machine and bring it to the hospital to install it. And only German workers actually work in the hospital to manage the machine 24 seven.
0: It's German
2: engineered and it's only operated by German people that they do it um, remotely and people are physically there because that's how intense this machine is.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. Oh my gosh. The things that (laughs) the medical world are able to do yeah and once you go through certain situations you start learning so much now you know what questions to ask you're better prepared for the next situation yes so now did radiation shrink everything because you said june everything was looking good he took his daughter to disney
2: mm-hmm. yep we, okay it, it looked like it had shrunk um we yeah we took her to disney Mm-hmm. It was like the hottest day, hottest week of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> year, of course. So you know he would have to rest a lot. So her and I would, uh, okay, bye, Daddy, and you mm-hmm. can go sit down, and we'll go ride the rides, you know. Okay. Um, but yeah, he he was just really tired that day because of the heat and okay. because of all the radiation he had to have. He wasn't supposed to be on the heat that much, anyways. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, everything looked good. Um, I, we didn't see any signs of, we didn't see any signs of growth and we're waiting for his next scan, which was going to be, um, in November. But I, after I had returned from a trip that I needed to go on to just before I blow my top, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, but when I returned, it yeah. was like, I was only, it, it was just weird. Cause I was only gone for nine days and I started seeing a growth again. And, um, you know, I, I, I called and said, can we get this, uh, you know, this test, this MRI done today instead of next week. And, they did and then it's a lot of hurry up and wait because you have to wait like a week for the results and in that spare time was the time i had set up to go dress shopping
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, so i'm looking for my wedding dress and not knowing because of the we're waiting on results i'm not even knowing if i'm going to get to wear this dress that i'm looking for And then that's the results from that showed that the tumor was growing again. So it hadn't responded to the chemotherapy and radiation how they had hoped. Um, So then that's when they decided, okay, we're going to go ahead and do the surgery. From that surgery, or after the surgery, they said, because we got all the all the tumor that we could see physically, we still have to make sure we kill any cells. Mm -hmm. So he had to do the chemotherapy and radiation again.
0: Has he had plastic surgery for, because you said he's missing the left side of his nostril, the left side of the head.
2: So he's, he's lost a left side of his nostril, his left eye and a part of his skull like the front part of his skull so there's like a dent you can see a dent um but he he wears hats a lot anyways because he was bald at a young age yeah he always wore hats the only um i mean he wears an eye patch now until he can get um and it's totally up to him um the radiation has left his uh, jaw mobility very uh, decreased.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, like something that we take for granted,
0: opening we can your mouth, is difficult. Eat a burger, for
2: him. like ah, he ah, oh. like he he came and he can open it up maybe half of an inch. Gotcha. Gotcha. To eat, so um, it's just s- little things like that, like. Um, That make a big difference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, we realized that it had to be done for Mm -hmm. him to even be here. Got it. Got
0: it. Now, so he wears a patch. Is a glass eye an option?
2: So at this moment, no. Um, He is healing from, he was, come to find out he was sick. He had an infection Mm -hmm. that ballooned up. That almost looked like tumor a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, so he's recovering from that. Um, and once come to find out, it's very interesting because well, I say it's interesting because I have to I have to look at him every day. But <laughs> um, the so they call it a, a muscle flap is what they have over his what would have been his left eye, mm-hmm. and um, because of this infection he had now that it's out and he's starting to recover his flap was um protruding but now it's flattened to the okay. point now where once he f- is 100 percent healed he might be able to talk about getting a glass eye or yeah. um because that was going to be a surgery later this year or early next year but now because and it was infection that was making it um protruding so now that they got that out um his doctor said they might not even have to do uh, to flatten it out um so but it's totally up to to troy that's my husband's name it's totally up to him if he wants to just wear a patch and be Mm -hmm. a sexy pirate or if he wants to um get a glass eye it it's that's totally up to him um he's just more concerned about doing he has to do mouth exercises to to get he doesn't want to lose any mobility that he has now in his jaw so he he does that keeps his nose clean and irrigated so that nothing gets trapped no infection no we don't want any more tumor Mm -hmm. like we don't have time for that Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's his main concern right now because okay. he he is starting to get used to it. He still struggles sometimes um with his appearance, but he used to call himself a monster. Mm-hmm. And I would always reassure him that you're not and people don't know your story. Yeah. Like it, it even made me stop to reflect because You know, sometimes if you walk past someone and you're like, what, what is going on with that person? I had to really check myself, start checking myself. Like, you don't know what that person's been through. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's, he's starting to come more into his own. Um, a lot of what has helped is hearing even, you know, Martin's story, Mm Mm-hmm you know, and, and just hearing how Martin keeps it moving. And he's like, well, I mean, I want to live to his age and beyond too, so I'm going to keep it moving, you know. So we do things, we, we live each day to its fullest as much as we can. I have my days, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we're constantly trying to plan on doing something, whether it's a sporting event or a trip. or we, I mean, we got to – we, lo- we almost lost him mm-hmm. so excuse me I you know we got to we, we got a ground to cover like mm-hmm. you can't go nowhere anytime soon we, we got things that we want to do in life so we we try to do things to 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 motivate us to keep us happy about life because Life is hard and sometimes it's cruel. So
0: I have a question for you. Same questions I'm gonna ask Miriam, I'm gonna ask you. And then I have a question for both of you ladies based off of a movie that I watched. I wanted to see what you guys' responses were. Um, You said he has a daughter. How old is his daughter? 11. 11, she's young. So is there any more children in the horizon for you and Troy? Nah. No? You find peace with that or did you not want children?
2: I don't, I don't think I ever really wanted kids.
0: Oh, your response is so different from Miriam. Miriam's like, yes, I did. You're like, uh, I don't think that was ever even a yeah. thought.
2: <laughs> yeah, because, uh, um, I, I mm, mm, and, uh, I know Troy, because, <laughs> because, yeah. like Miriam said, like I'm, I'm happy with. The situation I've got, like, oh yeah, we have fun this weekend. Okay, bye. <laughs> See you later. You know, I'm, I'm the fun parent. Like, all right, let's go. All right, oh oh, look it's Sunday night. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> uh, <was> so hysterical. <laughs> but um, I'm fine with having you know being with my I, my best friends. I call them my my nieces and nephews um my cousin just had two of my cousins just had a baby so i call them my niece and nephew and you know my mom said well i'm just waiting on your brother to have you know give me my grandkids because my brother wants um, um but she treats uh troy's daughter like her own too so um and his 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 daughter there's a hierarchy to this see she tolerates her father she loves me, but my mom, oh, my goodness, she is Aww. in love with my mom. Aww. So, <laughs> and Troy's just like, that's my child. How, how come she likes y'all more? Like, hey, that's that's just how it works, buddy. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it, it was ever a thing for me. And it's just funny how God works because I came into a relationship with um, the bonus daughter so i'm happy with that arrangement um and even so more now after everything because i knew troy kind of wanted another one because he wanted a solid family unit like we're married and we have you know a child all the time in the home Mm -hmm. um but since everything in the past four years we've been through i even asked him two days ago are you sure okay and he's like i don't know I remember okay. how much i had to pay for you know all the diapers and and he just his 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 um uh, he he's just he doesn't want any more children at this yeah he's good
0: okay all right that's good and how is the sex life both before and after cancer um, is like your husband physically changed yeah so how did that change the whole romantic mood of everything
2: well i know um (laughs) the first couple months it was hard because we honestly physically couldn't do anything yeah because of his his pain like literally we i mean i i could barely even kiss him um, I would kiss his hand mm-hmm. cause he's very, um, his love language is touch gotcha. and time. Gotcha. So I would constantly like reassure him by touching him. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it hasn't really changed too much
3: mm-hmm.
2: because I, I love him. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, he satisfies my every need that I have it was just rough in the very beginning because I we just couldn't touch um gotcha. without him being in pain at one point he said it's okay I'll just I'll just take extra, <laughs> pain, oh, pills. Like, just no, take extra pain pills <laughs> I'm like no I'm like no you could touch me I'll just take extra <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's no so sir that's sweet. not what we're doing that's not what, what we're is. doing right now but um yeah it it I can honestly say it hasn't changed too much. Um, Maybe, you know, just every woman goes through it, you know, just with work and doing all the things that I've been doing. Um, But outside of being happy and pleased, yeah, nothing's changed. So I have a few
0: questions for you both. You guys can take turns how you'd like. At any point, I want you to please be honest with me. Did you ever just sit there and think like, "Should I just walk away <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> Miriam, did you hear that outburst
1: <laughs> I heard it I heard her I heard Ashley, you know, to be honest, no, okay. no, I didn't even I was um. The only thing I was thinking was, okay, we can do this. We will do this and we will succeed. We will do this together. But I never thought I want to walk away. Never.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. It's okay, I, girl. I, okay. I'm, I get this question a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll say... Um, when when um, he came out, when I had to see him for the very first time after that first surgery and my mom had me out in the hallway, she said, what are your thoughts? Because I'm going to back you up 110%. What are your thoughts? And I told her, I said, "I'm I'm scared. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe he should get a different person in here. Maybe I'm not good enough for this. It was me that I was concerned about. It wasn't him. I was concerned that I wasn't going to be good enough to take care of him in in the shape that he was in. So it wasn't necessarily like I wanted to leave because I just wanted to leave. I, I was doubting myself. And she said, you know, she reassured me. She was like, well, first of all, Jackson women don't leave their men. Mm-hmm. And second of all, um, you got this and I' I will help you. I will help you in whatever needs to be done for Troy. And that reassured me um, because I, I was just so doubtful of myself. I, I didn't I had never been in this situation before.
0: My other question for you guys is, Have you guys ever thought of cheating on your husbands? Because this is a whole different level of stress that you're dealing with in your situation. And at many times your needs probably were not being taken care of emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually. Stepping out of the relationship, did that ever cross your minds? And has it happened? No and no. No and no, Ashley? No and no. Oh, go ahead. Do you have more to add to that, Miriam?
1: Well, what I want to say is that there's nothing wrong with my eyes. Got it. I do see handsome guys, mm-hmm. okay? Oh, yes. And that's something Martin and I are very honest about that part. Mm-hmm. When he sees a beautiful woman, he says, Oh, Miriam, look, that's such a beautiful woman, don't you think? So well yeah she's okay and when I see a an handsome and I say Martin Martin I remember we were at um, we were on one of those islands in the Caribbean and there was a picture of I I always forget his name, it's an actor, a very handsome actor. And I told him, Martin, Martin, please let me put my hand on his chest and please take a picture. <laughs> I need this picture in my life. <laughs> and Martin said, okay, okay move a little bit to the right to the right and he took a picture that's our relationship okay. but i okay. never thought of cheating and i never did it good
2: okay actually <laughs> uh we're, we're the same um okay. so i didn't think about it i mean like i said i had found my person mm-hmm. i didn't want anybody else and um no, I haven't. Um I don't want no more headaches. Yeah. The the one I got already gives me a headache from time to yeah. time. I don't need another one to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but We're no all, <laughs> Yeah. But but in all seriousness, um you know we 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 do the same thing that Miriam said, like we have our celebrity crushes, and we're like, okay, you—you would get a hall pass with that one. You'd get a hall pass <laughs> with that one, or you know. So yeah, we we you know, you're human. You see mm. a fine man, a fine woman walking past, you're going to be like, well, dang, she you mm. looking good, he looking mm. good, but I'm not going to act on it.
0: Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now the other question I have is. Where you are in your lives now, your husbands are doing great. Life has extremely shifted. What motivated you to do what you ladies are doing now? Miriam, your book yes. and your six-week program. Ashley, your book. And also now you've specialized more in the event planning. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear your stories and how your life affected what you ladies are doing now?
1: Sure. So last year, August 22nd, I started writing about my book. The reason why I started writing my book is because I found out that there are so many caregivers who are suffering, so many caregivers who don't know how to own their well-being, but also many people who are not caregivers... Mm-hmm. don't know what caregivers go through mm-hmm. and i said you know the world needs to know this more people need to 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 know about this and caregivers need more awareness mm-hmm. of what they can do to have a good life have a balanced life while they do a wonderful job taking care of their loved ones
3: mm-hmm.
1: So that's why I decided to write my book and my program. Like I mentioned before, I want to catch them before they fall. I want to prevent them uh, from burnout. Or if they are already suffering from burnout, I want to help them get out of there. I am not a medical professional. So don't ask me for medical advice. But I can provide you the techniques and tools I used Mm -hmm. that helped me get out of burnout city. So that's what I do. And I, I really have the pleasure, but also the privilege to do it. After 20 plus years of experience, I didn't mention it before, but I'm also the caregiver to my brother who had a stroke was partially paralyzed at the age of 46. So I'm a caregiver to my bro- my husband and my brother. Mm-hmm. And because of the techniques and tools I used,
3: mm-hmm.
1: after my burnout, my burnout uh, in the time of taking care of Martin, I could prevent another burnout when my brother had a stroke in 2012.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Is your brother doing well now?
1: He's doing well his right arm isn't functioning but he can walk and talk again he couldn't walk or talk uh, gotcha. but his right arm isn't functioning and thankfully he's doing much 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 better today
0: good good ashley
2: yes yeah, so like i mentioned before just uh deciding to open up about my experience and to reach out to, being able to reach out to others who maybe uh, find themselves in my same situation and getting the word out that you're not alone because caregiving, especially family um, caregivers can feel so alone and isolated and um, hopeless. And I wanted to be able to So that you can have some hope and faith and uh, just share light and love in the world. Um, But that, I mean, that's, that is my main purpose. Timeless Dream Events is my vehicle to get me there. Mm -hmm. Um, But my main focus, and especially with with my book, Lost, Travel, Found, I'm just helping uh, shed a light on what we go through and Um, how you can rise above if you choose to do so, you know, I always like to say, you know, caregivers go through Miriam's, uh, six week course and then you can come to see me, timeless dream events and we'll celebrate, you know, life, life is meant to be lived and celebrated. It is rough. It's hard. Some of us are dealt more blows than others. But I always think it's of the phoenix rising. Mm -hmm. I equate myself to the phoenix rising like I came out of the ashes into something new. And now I want to share how I was able to do that with others.
0: Phenomenal. I tell you, you ladies are a brush of fresh air for me because I don't... (laughs) (sighs) Of course, I don't see myself as a caregiver, but you don't know what you're capable of until you're in that situation. So I can't exactly. say that. Yeah. But um, it's hard. And I say it's hard because originally my thought process was to go into nursing. When I was younger, when I started working at the hospital, I was the secretary working behind the desk. And I remember the nurse one day told me, hey, Shirley, can you just help me assist put this Foley and this gentleman that right there immediately, I was like, This is too much contact for me. I'm good. I'm not going into this profession. So this is why I tell you caregiving is a different type of beast for me that I don't know how I would respond if I was to be in that situation. I know I would most likely go into flight or flight mode because if it was my children or my husband, I would do what I need to do. But goddamn, it would be hard for me, man. Like, it is. everyone's not built for this shit, guys. Mm-hmm. I applaud you, ladies. So, what is words of wisdom, especially for Shirley, that you <laughs> each want to leave to anyone out there who may not be in the situation, but who has the thought mindset of me, like, oh my god, this is a burden. I don't know what I would do,
1: or someone who's presently in the situation,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Miriam. I would say two things. The first thing I would say is, and I talk about this in my book as well, follow, follow, F O L L O W. The F stands for forgive yourself. The O open, be open-minded. The L listen to your gut. The second L there are new things. The second O see and grab opportunities. And the W, know your word. Yeah. Own your well-being, mm-hmm. because you are worthy of a wonderful life too. That's what I wanna say.
2: Okay, and Ashley? It's okay to think of yourself. You, you have to. You know, for me, I had to think of who would take care of my husband if I got ill, if I got sick, because no one's going to be able to take care of him like I do. So I had to start taking care of myself. It's a slow process, it's still something that I work on each day today. Just take the time, whether it's five minutes, whether it's an hour, whether it's a whole day. Just do something for yourself each day and live each day to the fullest that you can. You're going to have your down days, but have more up than down. Just remember that you are deserving of everything good that is going to come your way and to take care of yourself first. Before you take care of others,
0: Ashley. One thing I forgot to ask you: What does self-care look like for you now, present day?
2: For me, uh, I liked. I, I love listening to music. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go for rides out in the country um, mm-hmm. and just blast my music. Um, I also like to read. I. Had stopped reading for quite some time, but I picked it back up. Thankfully. Um, I like to read, write I like to jot down my feelings. Uh, That's how it all started was jotting down my feelings, and then it became a book Wow Um, (laughs) uh, Having more conversations open and honest conversations with uh, the women the matriarchs in my life Um, I'm still learning things about my father
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um that I thought I knew Mm -hmm. uh I learn about how my grandmother took care of my great grandmother and we've we compare differences and similarities so I I like having these open and open and honest conversations because I feel like a breath of fresh air like they had the same struggles as I did. It was just a different decade, a different person. Mm -hmm. Um, And just sharing those with uh, my Facebook group um, that I I admin for caregivers. And just sharing, stop bottling my feelings and emotions in has really helped me. (laughs) It's really self-care for me. Talking through these things is really self-care because my burnout manifests itself physically because I kept everything bottled in. Mm -hmm. So a continuous release for me is is what I need right now in my life.
0: Gotcha. Well, ladies, as we close on our robust episode on caregiving, (laughs) I want to extend another thank you for being a guest on the show and educating us and helping us see a different side of a relationship. Most people will come on the show and hearing about the sexual abuse, the infidelity, the mistrust, the uh, the typical things, I guess. And that's awful for me to say that you normally hear about in the relationship. But this is a side that we don't talk about we don't hear but it's present. It's happening. And it's real.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: Thank you so much
0: not was a problem. such a
1: pleasure yeah absolutely <laughs> I appreciate listening to you guys
0: <laughs> stories and listen i bow down to you ladies because i can't words cannot even describe how your husbands are blessed to have you ladies in their lives that you didn't walk away that you kept your focus That shit is hard i'm it not is. even going to say like your days weren't difficult and you admit that they were taking care of another human being this is not a toddler or a baby this is an actual grown adult whole different type of caring Yeah.
1: yeah
0: so again extend my thank you ladies and all their information will be on their website to read about more of their story and what they're doing now and how to participate in anything that they're doing now but as always thank you guys for listening And just remember to love yourself, voice yourself, and be yourself. To the next podcast, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to Fun Palais Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I want to hear from you. Head on over to the website or join our Facebook community and comment your favorite part of the show or share your thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Chat with you next week.